except Brian, who is dead, and, some say, never sleeps. The road descends between rolling dry grass shoulders, the kind of bare landscape where in 1950s science fiction movies the teenager and his busty girlfriend, parked in his hot rod, receive unearthly visitors. But it is crowded now with young people, most with long hair, dressed in heavy clothes, blue jeans, army fatigue jackets, against the December night air that revives us as we walk. Mick is wearing a long burgundy overcoat, and Keith has on a Nazi leather greatcoat, green with mould, that he will leave behind tomorrow, or more accurately today, about sixteen hours from now, in the mad, blind panic to get away from the place we are lightly swaggering toward. Mick and Keith are smiling. It is their little joke, to have the power to create this gathering by simply wishing for it aloud, and the freedom to walk like anybody else along the busy, barren path. There are laughter and low talking within groups, but little cross-conversation, though it seems none of us is a stranger. Each wears the signs, the insignia, of the campaigns that have brought us, long before most of us have reached the age of thirty, to this desolate spot on the western slope of the new world. Tony, score us a joint, Keith says, and before we have been another twenty steps, giant black Tony has dropped back and fallen into stride with a boy who's smoking and hands Tony the joint, saying, Keep it. So we smoke and follow the trail down to a basin, where the shoulders stretch into low hills already covered with thousands of people around campfires, some sleeping, some playing guitars, some passing smokes and great red jugs of wine. For a moment it stops us. It has the dreamlike quality of one's deepest wishes, to have all the good people, all one's family, all the lovers, together in some private country of night. It is as familiar as our earliest dreams, and yet so grand and final, campfires flickering like distant stars as far as our eyes can see, that it is awesome. And as we start up the hillside to our left, walking on sleeping bags and blankets, trying not to step on anyone's head, Keith is saying it's like Morocco, outside the gates of Marrakesh. Hear the pipes. The people are camped right up to a cyclone fence, topped with barbed wire and we are trying to find the gate, while from behind us the Maisel's film brothers approach across sleeping bodies with blinding blue-white quartz lamps. Mick yells to turn off the lights, but they pretend to be deaf and keep coming. The kids who have been looking up as we pass, saying, Hi, Mick, now begin to join us. There is a caravan of young girls and boys strung out in the spotlights when we reach the gate, which is, naturally, locked. Inside, we can see the Altamont Speedway clubhouse and some people we know standing outside it. Mick calls, Could we get in, please? And one of them comes over, sees who we are, and sets out to find someone who can open the gate. It takes a while, and the boys and girls all want autographs and to go inside with us. Mick tells them we can't get in ourselves yet, and no one has a pen except me. I have learned not to let go of mine, because they get the signatures and go spinning away in a frenzy of bliss and exhilaration, taking my trade with them. So we stand on one foot, and then the other, swearing in the cold, and no one comes to let us in, and the gate, which is leaning, 
rattles when I shake it, and I say we could push it down pretty easy, and Keith says, the first act of violence. Chapter 1 Something about the curious wanderings of these griots through the yellow desert northward into the Maghreb country, often a solitary wandering, their performances at Arab camps on the long journey, when the black slaves came out to listen and weep, then the hazardous voyage into Constantinople, where they play old Congo airs for the great black population of Stamboul, whom no laws or force can keep within doors, when the sound of griot music is heard in the street. Then I would speak of how the blacks carry their music with them to Persia, and even to mysterious Hadramaut, where their voices are held in high esteem by Arab masters. Then I would touch upon the transplantation of Negro melody.